Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around equity, diversity, and inclusion. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in the space. Let's get started. Vina Ford has served as Director, Community Marketplace and Member Engagement since February 2021. She's responsible for the marketing and creative strategy, Medi-Cal membership and onboarding changes in Medi-Cal benefits for Health Plan of San Joaquin. She's also charged with the development and implementation of a community engagement strategy that is aligned with the upcoming California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal, or CalAIM, initiative. It's an ongoing priority for Governor Gavin Newsom and currently in development by California's Health and Human Services Agency. She's an experienced healthcare leader. She was at Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Northwest in Portland, Oregon, where she was the Medicaid and Charitable Healthcare Operations Manager, overseeing daily operations for Medicaid contracts in Oregon as well as Washington State. She also managed the Child Health Program Plus, a charitable program focused on children not eligible for subsidized health insurance. And in addition to building strong internal partnerships at Kaiser, she collaborated with external partners throughout the region to promote health education and community health among Oregon's most vulnerable populations. She was instrumental, in fact, as a member of the team that implemented Oregon's Cover All Kids program in extending health care benefits to all children ages 0 to 19. Previously, she was a professional in community health and a nonprofit manager, including serving for several years as Director of Health Equity and African American Disparities Elimination Project for Solano County in California. The initial project implementation she led continues to address the poor health outcome of Solano County's African American community. She holds a master's degree in nonprofit administration from the University of San Francisco and an undergraduate degree in health education with an emphasis in health policy and chemistry from San Francisco State University. She's been honored as a 2019 Alumni of Leadership Portland and a New Generation Leader of Color Fellow, a collaboration of the California Endowment and Compass Point. At Health Plan of San Joaquin, she's been instrumental in the creation of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, which is charged with developing strategies and plans to promote equity and inclusion that involves their health plan members, providers, community partners, and staff. I am so excited again this week. I say this every week. I'm excited because I get to meet and talk to such wonderful people. And this week is no exception. So we have Vina Ford. And I am so, so glad that you have joined me on the Jolly Podcast. So I just want to start out because I know I'm just going to dive in. And with all that you do with, you know, you know, the connection to the community, the marketplace, you know, member engagement, I am just trying to figure out, like, how did you even get in this space to do what you do? Oh, interesting. So initially, I think I was about maybe 12 or 13. And uh, remember the Essence magazine before this new renewal? Oh, yeah. So read the Essence and the Ebony magazine. They would come in our uh, mail every month. And uh, I think it was in eighth grade. So I had to be about 12, 13. And I was reading the magazine. It was the magazine in which they highlight all the um, historically Black colleges and universities. And as I was reading it, I was just like, so initially from eighth grade, I was going to go to school to be a cardiologist. I had moved my path. I was born to fist, and I was going to be a world-renowned cardiologist. And then I went to college and I uh, did some work in the cardiology ward and then was was really sad. It's a lot of bad work, you know, not bad in that they don't save lives, but it's just, you know, the truth. The truth yeah. hurts sometimes. And so I was like, well, wait, 
how can I figure out a way to get upstream and educate people on how to be healthy so they don't have to get to, you know, at four years old, um, having those bad outcomes. So I moved back to California. I was in New Orleans at school and moved back to California and had a conversation with a, 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 a school advisor. And the school advisor said to me, hey, what about health education, health policy, and all of that? I'm like, but I'm halfway through my chemistry program. <laughs> and he said, I think you have a passion for more you know, upstream work, more administrative and more of this than just sitting in a lab working with people who are sad. So I enrolled myself into the health education department at San Francisco State and graduated, did some various projects all over the time. And I was working for the airline and I worked for, I went to AmeriCorps. Um, I spent two years in AmeriCorps in, uh, central Indianapolis in the Mary side of Indiana, of Indianapolis in Indiana. I'm working on basically just community development work and supporting people to earn assets through the National Individual Development Account Program. And from there, I took a job at United Way of the Bay Area. And because I have such a great health background, I was lucky to be named the program officer for health, for the health issue, which really supporting granting and providing grants from the dollars raised to the community. But at the same time, we were on the, you know, cutting edge of policy of what is now our modern Medicare program um, here in California and then just Medicaid across the country, which is really exciting. So I took that job and then took another job working on health disparities in the African American community, where it was a combination of working with hospitals and clinics and boards and counties and public health departments and all these amazing people to improve the lives of African-Americans in the community uh, through health. But it always got back down to people's access. And so in 2010, when um, uh, Obama passed the Affordable Care Act, or also known popularized as Obamacare, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was super excited. That was my favorite day. It was one of my favorite days in my life. And then a couple of days later, I lost my job. And I was like, well, what do I want to do? Um, I didn't lose my job because of bad thing, but I lost my job. So I was like, well, where do I want to go? Yeah. And at that point, I realized that um, I wanted to go into healthcare um, and particularly to support folks um, where they need it, not necessarily at the bedside, but um, outside of the bedside. So long story, or long story short, from there, I ended up working in Portland, Portland, Oregon, um, on the Medi-Cal or Medicaid program in Oregon called Oregon Health Plan um, as a member of one of the organizations that provided care. And I loved everything about it. I was lucky to have an infrastructure that gave me access from everything from eligibility and learning how people got into uh, the Medicaid program, uh, managing that with our own organization, all the way in the financial reporting and reporting to the states and all the regulatory requirements and people and systems and all of that in between them. In that time, I spent a lot of time being curious, 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 curious. But also at the same time, I was running and supporting a community program that provided 100% health insurance for undocumented children in the metro Portland area, which was really great because now I not only have all this administrative background, but I also had a huge community responsibility, which was a lot of fun for me and did a lot of things in the community up there. Got to know some of the most amazing people I ever, ever worked with. And everywhere I've worked in the, in the um, country, I will have to say, you know, shout out to my folks in Portland. You guys are doing some things. I know it seems hard sometimes, but you're doing some great stuff. Um, and they got recruited here after a short time in Texas, which was an interesting <laughs> But was recruited here. And um, my job here was to be a consultant on what we now call CalAIM, California Advancing Innovation and Medicaid. Um, which is the big initiative that our governor 
I could out there. Um, and then another role came up and I was asked to do the role as the director of community marketplace and member engagement. So I kind of had all the roles and then now I get the fun world of being kind of in marketing, which is very <laughs> but the health education background and the chemistry background <laughs> to work in marketing. Um, and so I was like, that's exciting because you know, you kind of get to see it all. It is exciting, but it also helps to put perspective on what we're saying, right? You know, understanding everything that goes on behind the scenes or most of it. I don't under, I never say that. <laughs> yeah. But um, understanding most of what goes on behind the scenes gets you to make the right, to, to deliver the right message and, and make people uh, excited about uh, what we're doing and, and how we're working in the community and wanting to bring us to the table as partners. The Helpline has been here for over 27 years and has done some amazing work in this community. And as the community grows, the health plan grows, it's transformed, it's in constant, constant transformation. Um, as Medicaid, yes. uh, nationally, Medi-Cal in our state is also transforming. Yeah, well, and it's so funny, you said, uh, well, I can't remember the exact um, term, but you said something about innovation in Medicare. And yes. I was like, those are two words you don't, normally here together. Um, but it's wonderful when you actually have innovation and can see it because you guys are really, I mean, when DEI, when we talk about DEI and you know me, everything to me has a DEI component to it. And I love the fact that you guys actually walk the talk um, at Health Plan of San Joaquin by actually connecting with the community in ways that most companies don't really get. They don't really get it. And so I love the fact that, and I mean, I, it clearly to me, because you have such a broad experience, you know, you guys are, you know what you're doing. So before I get to Health Plan of San Joaquin, because I do want you to talk about, you know, like what you guys are doing and all of those things, but I know you also said you had background in, you know, some things like accessing healthcare for the African-American community and, you know, some of those challenges and issues that become more emphasized uh, when we're talking about what zip code you live in and, and all of those things. So maybe you can just shed a little bit of light on some of the some of the social determinants of health and some of you know some of the challenges that we have um and then you know we can kind of shift into what health plan is doing because i know you guys are addressing yeah. a lot of it yeah yeah so you know i'm i'm of the belief that good health provides a great life right Absolutely. and so when we have good health, whatever that good health feels and looks like for you, we're able to do things that we never thought we could do. But when you don't have good health, you're always distracted by that that pain or that ache or that uncomfortable place. And so in the African-American community, you know, before the Affordable Care Act, Medicaid was typically for the poorest of the poorest women and children and also it excluded folks like single men some working families people with assets like a home and other assets and the affordable care act really lifted some of that so one of the biggest things that happened as a result of the affordable care act not only just the african-american community but in the african-american community is that men got access low-income men um, were able to access healthcare. For example, here's an example. When I was in Oregon, so I started in Oregon, right when everything was hyped up and everything was moving towards that 2015, um, I remember calling, um, which is our president over dental. And I just kind of sent him a message. He was like, hey, you know, you think dental would want to come to the African-American? Health Day that was hosted by their huge uh, African-American health initiative in Oregon. 
And he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. That's fine. We'll do it. We organized and whatnot. And I remember a man coming in in a lot of pain. He had never been to the dentist and he was in a lot of pain. So he came in, got an appointment. He walked over across the street to the dental office and walked in and they got a chair and we were like, oh my gosh, you've got to have all this work done. I'm not going into the extent of the work. And he's like, I can't wait for it. I just can't wait for it. And at that moment, we were able to connect him with folks locally to get him enrolled. He, he right. actually qualified for a Medicaid program, which they covered all of his services that he yeah. needed to get him back in place. Now, who knows? We know that our mouths dictate our, the health of our body. Oh, so, yeah. If your teeth are bad, your heart might be bad, diabetes, there's a lot of things that come if we don't take care of our teeth. But I think in my mind, after him coming over and thanking us for just happening in, I hope, and I still hope to this day, because I didn't follow his patient, I can't follow him, but <laughs> I, I hope in my mind, it changed his life. Yeah. You know, the fact that he had all this stuff going on, and he really needed support. And then to find out that it's covered. And then to find out that you can qualify for health insurance is amazing. And a lot of us as African-Americans don't know that, yeah, you may qualify. You may have a family of, say, six. And then you and your husband or you and your partner that's to work health insurance and to cover the rest of your family, your children, your surrogate children, your geology children, what have you may qualify for Medi-Cal because for kids, they actually expand the the uh, the FPL, the federal poverty level, the, the the money that you make in order to give people access. So, you know, for adults, like 138% of the federal poverty level, that's nothing. That's like, I think it's about 14 or $15,000 a year um, for an individual. But for a family, for a kid, it goes up to like 205%, I think in California. In other states, it goes as high as 250%. And so a family who might be making a somewhat livable wage because of the, the number of families, the number of people in the family might qualify for health care, might qualify for Medi-Cal. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be embarrassed about because we yeah. pay into it all of the time, right? Right. So, right. It's, you know, that's one of the pieces of education we have to give people all the time is that even though you're both working, you may still qualify and your children may be on Medi-Cal and you may have work insurance or you may be on Medi-Cal and your husband has or your wife or your partner has their health insurance, but the rest of the family may qualify. We have lots of mixed families. And what I mean by mixed families is mixed covered family. Yes. Um, it says that people don't understand to ask the question. And especially in our community, I'm saying, some of, and when I say our community, I mean black community. Um, I think sometimes the information just never gets there. And we got to really work hard at getting the information. But I also believe, you know, I had a great teacher when I was at San Francisco State that I believe in grassroots organizing. It takes us to tell us the right thing to do. So we right. who have access to that information have to make ourselves available. And that's why. Oftentimes, do see me in the community. I'm working on weekends or showing up at events, or my phone's running, both my personal phone at work. Well, <laughs> um, because I consider myself as having access and trying to be, as one of my previous friends called me, an oracle to connect people. Yes. And so, you know, once we do that, we need to get this information in our churches. We need to get them in, in our child care places, of um, places where we live, on the baseball field, the basketball court, wherever the kids are, in the schools. We need to share this information and we need to also understand that we need to share the information in a way that people can absorb it and it doesn't go over their head and they know they have access to it. So... I think, the, you know, in my perspective, now other people may not feel this way, <laughs> but the Affordable Care Act really got us to 
got us closer to universal health care where everyone has access. And it also got us closer or is getting us closer. I won't say it totally got us there, but giving people opportunities to level up, to give themselves the opportunity to grow. So if you, you know, I know in California, they're they're trying to connect all, all the systems to be qualified for this. You may qualify for food subsidies. You may qualify for, for housing subsidies. And while we see those as bad in some instances, I think sometimes our media distorts that for us with, with people. Yeah, um, these are a lot of folks have used these programs, have used the programs to step themselves up and to provide um, support for the load that they're carrying in order to get to the next place where the load might be a little bit so, Yeah, wow. How that answered your question? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's awesome. I mean, you're dropping all sorts of little nuggets as you go. I'm still on curious, curious, curious. And I'm like, oh, she's got mentorship and curiosity. And um, so so let let me flip to Health Plan of San Joaquin because I think um, I mean, you mentioned Medi-Cal as what, you know, so you know, for folks that may not be in the United States or California, um, that is what the state provides. Um, you know, and then we have the national program, Medicaid. But Health Plan of San Joaquin is really focused on the county. And so maybe you can talk about like what they do and, you know, why why they exist and are doing the wonderful things that they are. Because I think when we have companies really focusing on delivering products and services to communities that need it, and I mean, everyone in the community inclusive, then you really see the impact of that work in a different way. Yeah. So Health Plan of San Joaquin is a pretty amazing organization. And I'm not just saying, uh, but it is an amazing organization. It started back in 1996. So yeah, we're, we're close to 27, 28 years old. Uh, we're not baby anymore. <laughs> but what it does, it's a uh, managed care organization, also known as NCO. You'll also hear the Medicaid space, other things like ACLs, accountable care workers, those coordinated care Well, You'll hear all these things. Always ask questions when people don't know that. That's the MCO, the managed care organization, is a locally owned and locally run health plan, um, particularly right now and specifically for Medi-Cal members. So what we do is similar to what a commercial plan would do, but the difference is, is you're not paying us to manage your care. We contract with the state who also has a contract with the feds. They match money and then they pool the money in order to pay for um, health insurance for the most vulnerable. But we work in tandem with um, Department Health Services, uh, DHCS, uh, Department of Healthcare Services, excuse me, and get me flat in the same seat. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. working with them to provide to our most vulnerable folks who are at those federal poverty levels that I talked about access to quality and affordable health insurance. So, you know, typically in the past, we've had programs in California like Healthy Families, which kind of have a sliding scale for children who didn't meet Medi-Cal. That's why they expanded the quality, or I'm sorry, the qualifications for children as that those two programs combined. But really what Health Plan does is make sure that we partner with uh, the county with uh, all of our county agencies. We partner with CBOs, community-based organizations. We partner with clinics, both federally qualified and other clinics, as well as hospitals that are in our community and um, individual providers who want to work with us to provide health insurance for them to go see all these folks to receive care, right? So we're basically that middle person between the state providing a program and our 
providers or um, organizations providing the, the care to manage and make sure it gets paid for, make sure it meets the regulatory requirements or the, the state requirements, and then also to support and to um, help with any challenges that may come up in access or connection, whatever whatever that looks like. And that's from a simple simple place. Now, you know, the contract like over 200 pays and just all these other things we have to do. Right. But from a simple perspective, we really are the middle person that works with our providers, our communities, our um, child beings, our dental partners, our mental health partners to make sure people have access to what they need when they need it in good quality and on time. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. Well, and since you mentioned mental health, yes, and it's Mental Health Awareness Month. It is. <laughs> so, because I think a lot of people maybe don't know that Health Plan San Joaquin even provides for mental health. I mean, you know, you think medical, okay, I go to the hospital or, you know, I need to go to the doctor, maybe the dentist, but now you're talking about mental health. Is that new? Nope. It has never not been new. <laughs> so, and and what it, what's happening with Cal Lang, we talk about the innovation project that the state is kind of embarking on, is that it's starting to bring all this together to address, I think we talked about, we didn't talk about, but social determinants of health, right? Right. So, you know, what are the social determinants that make you healthy? And then where we lack them, how do we find the supports to get you there? Mental health has always been there. Mental health, I think sometimes we disconnect our mental health from our physical health. And we disconnect our oral health from our physical and our mental health. I know about teeth are, I can't think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we always disconnect our our body parts or we disconnect things. But when we walk around, we're a whole person, right? So mental health being offered. So the plan has a has a partnership with the uh, mental health provider to do basic mental health and then anything specialty or high grade would go to county mental health. They have a contract to do that work for our members. But really, if someone needs support, whether it's counseling or others need um, assessments done, all those things around mental health or the the health of their, their mental state, yeah, the plan offers it. I mean, most health insurance do offer some sort of mental health program. They're a little hard to navigate sometimes. But luckily with the plan, you could just pick up the phone and we'll connect you with our provider and they they will definitely move people forward. And the other thing about that, it does go underutilized because there's still a lot of, how do we say, misbelief, shame, misunderstanding. Stigma, when yeah. It comes to accessing mental health or or uh, a provider or counseling, group counseling, whatever it may be. But we, you know, especially as brown people, especially as black people, you know, we always say, oh, I'm gonna give it to God. Some, you know, I always believe there was a, there's a place in the Bible, it said, I know it's highlighted for me, got a bookmark and everything. God said, faith without works is dead. Sometimes we gotta do the work on our faith. And that goes for our mental health too, right? It, you know, it's it's Absolutely. not enough to just give it give it to God and expect Him to change everything. We've got to do some things for ourselves, whether it's changing our diet, changing our environment, um, changing the way we think. And but how can you do that if you don't have the tools? That's why you seek providers, counselors, support to give you those tools and to help you find ways to. Um, figure it out at the same time with your prayer and your meditation and all of those things that you do. Yeah, that's awesome. So bringing it back, just because I know uh, we didn't we didn't talk really about the social determinants of health. So like, what is that first? Maybe you can just 
tell us. So the, I, want, you know. I would say it in a simple form. I know if if the folks I work with don't be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Just give it's it to so it in real talk. Real talk. Yeah, it's real talk. It's like so hard. It's very complicated. So social determinants of health are what are those things that are around you that determine your health? your housing, your education, your access to jobs, you know, how you grow up. You know, if you grow up in an abusive situation, if you grow up in a loving situation, you know, a a lot of things, those things that we don't think about when we talk about health, right? Like who thinks about the route from school to home as determining if you're healthy or not, right? Yeah. Not a lot of people. They just walk home from school. I remember I was a kid. I just walked home from school. It wasn't until I was an adult I had to sit back and think about that. I was like, what did um, you get through? <laughs> right. The things you have to go through, the people yeah. you encounter, you know, the, the folks that, the things that are sent to you, the the the, the um, stuff that you see, those really, they really affect you know, those social determinants. And I mean, they're very, they're very prescriptive. They're very, you know, there's 13 or 12 of them. And I usually say the one that's missing is racism because oftentimes, well, we might want to add bullying too, right? And those things have a huge impact on who we are. Can you have, can you eat three square meals a day, right? That's part of it. And, you know, if you, if hunger as a determinant affects your health, there you go, right? Yeah. Education, hunger, access, housing, food, racism. Um, yeah. It's all there. Yeah. And in simplest form, it's all the things that you do outside of the planet. That's how I put it, right? It's yeah. everything else in life. Do you have a car? How do you access where you need to go? Why do you late to work every day? Because I have to walk. Some days I'm tired. Through the snow. Remember right. your dad used to tell you that? Right. <laughs> But <laughs> the reality is that what is around us, what what impacts us is literally around us. And if you can change those environments over time, those environments over time start to hopefully improve the health of the people that are within. Yeah. And that's why I love Health Plan San Joaquin. And I'm not just saying it either, but you, you it, truly, y'all are walking the talk because, I mean, we see you, not only you, but the team really out in the community, touching people, making a difference, uh, showing up. I mean, because I think a lot of times people don't even know who to call, where to call. The fact that you guys sit in the middle, I think, is really helpful because I think there's a lot of people, even in my own household, that you know, are trying to figure out health care. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it's it's a challenge. I mean, literally, I think when people think about whether they're retiring or whatever they're doing in life, health care is like one of those things that can make or break you because, you know, it's expensive. But health care should be a right, not a privilege. Yeah. And that's, that's really, and I forgot to say that, I don't know, you know, I know the Martin Luther King, you know, the highest form of injustice is injustice in healthcare. But I don't know who said healthcare should be a right, not a privilege. It, and oftentimes, when we're thinking of our budgets, right, we're thinking of what we got to do. Health insurance is the last thing. It's the last thing we think about because it's so expensive. And in the moment, you might be healthy, but tomorrow something may come. And it's the last thing we think about, especially when we're young, right? We're invincible. You can't tell me I'm getting sick, right? And there have been times where I see tragedies happen and had to step in because folks needed health insurance because of a tragedy, because the person wasn't prepared. And it's really about preparing, right? It's about preparing ourselves for what may come or what may stay. But we, you know, oftentimes treat healthcare as a privilege when really it should be our right to be healthy, our right to have a safe environment, our, our right to have housing, our right to have, you know, healthy foods. 
And, you know, there are policies and things in place, and I'm not going to get political because that's a whole other podcast we can get into. But right? there are things in place that, you know, oftentimes we talk about, well, why can't we change this? Because we have policies in place that are preventing us from changing. We've got to change that first in order to get to what we need. And so, you know, and many of these policies have been, you know, generations and they know they weren't written thinking about us today with all of the technology, the assets. But the fact that you can pick up the phone and have a whole conversation and appointment with your doctor now from the comfort of your couch, her <laughs> dead. It's a thing, right? Yeah. Many times I did not go to the clinic because I could just handle it now. Right. And those are the things that we have to teach people. And especially, you know, getting back to kind of health plan and, and Medi-Cal and Medi-Cal members, they have access to this stuff. They have access to telehealth. They have access to mental health. They have access to dental and eyeglasses in certain um, instances and but, you know, early pregnancy coverage, you know, thinking about not only is May mental health month, but we just left maternal child, maternal yeah. child health month, right? Yeah. And we have a lot of babies and families that are uh, low weight or are coming out with issues because mamas and papas didn't know that they could access care yeah. in this kind of way and once they get the access it might be too late or it might be you know down the road and so what we've got to do is just keep the messaging that's why my staff is everywhere right and that's why health plan of san joaquin is trying to be everywhere it's just we don't care who you decide to go with but for us it's more about the, the message you have a right healthcare is a right and here's your opportunity to get that with whomever, whether it's a commercial plan, whether you pay for it yourself or you go through Medi-Cal, you deserve to be healthy. We all deserve to be healthy. I love that. Yes, indeed. Well, and so, you know, the, some of the stuff you hit on, uh, we were talking a little bit about health, health care, and financial wellness even. And, you know, sometimes when we're we're stressed out, when we don't have money and then we we go to the we go to the doctor and then we're stressed out because it costs so much and we still don't have money. And so, I, you know, it's like this vicious circle of stress and health. And so um, maybe you can talk a little bit about because I know you've even given tips and tricks for folks that I won't call them tricks, but tips for how, you know, if people can't even pay, you know, like, what do they do? And, you know, there's so many things that I think people may not know when it comes to healthcare and, and trying just to get it. Well, so maybe you could talk about the financial components of health and wealth together. Yeah. Oh, health and wealth. The two of my uh, favorite subjects, health and wealth, because your health determines your wealth. And sometimes your wealth determines your health, right? Yeah. So, you know, and you got to have a both line in order to get where you where you go. Like I get, like I'm gonna step back to what I said that health, having good health should be, you know, it's a requirement. It's not a privilege. It's a right. And so, yes, if people are sick, they should go to the doctor. Um, there are ways to get into the doctor and to not have to pay there are ways to get into the doctor and have to pay a discount always ask for help that's what i have to say you know medical members don't really pay for anything like really nothing unless they want something elective which is not covered which is rare and those elective things most of the time medical members go out so if you know you qualify and you can access it, go access it and keep yourself healthy. The one thing I can say is that, you know, if you, one way to lose your wealth is to not have yourself covered and not taking care of yourself, right? And so, you know, people who choose not to, for whatever reason, I'm not putting anybody down to take health insurance you know, or to 
five ways out of it that I was all, always at risk, right? It's like driving to California without car insurance, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> you can pull over and he asks for license and registration and insurance. Make them get what I have insurance, right? Yeah. So, like, God forbid you get into a car accident. Well, it's the same thing with your health. God forbid you get into an accident or something goes wrong or, or something happens. It's the insurance on who you are as a healthy person. And so, you know, one way to sustain our uh, our community is through programs like Medi-Cal, um, you know, coupled with programs like, uh, I think it's still called TANF, the Temporary Aid for Needy Families, um, or whatever the new program is, and um, EITC, Earned Income Tax Credit, all of these put resources back in the hands of those who are vulnerable of not having what they need when they need it, right? And then at that point, they can use those as stepping stones or not, whatever they decide. But there are opportunities to keep our community healthy, keep it moving forward, keep it economically sound. So, you know, for example, you don't have health insurance. You got, we use teeth because teeth are just so easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a toothache and now I've got a headache and now I can't see, right? Right. And um, I have to go to work and I go to work and I'm irritated and I'm upset. And then I get a bad rap at work or I get written up for something because I'm all in this pain and, and then I don't have a job. All because I didn't go and handle the two. Imagine our babies, right? I was one yeah. of those children who, who didn't know they needed glasses. <laughs> and the reason why is like I got chicken pox so old and I remember, you know, I was a taller student. I, I'm not tall now. I'm just usually <laughs> at that time I'm tall. And so I sat in the back and I couldn't read the board. I could not see the board in Spanish class to save my life and everything was written on the board. <laughs> and I was disruptive. Because I was trying to figure out what things said. So I'm asking people, walking to the board all the time. And as soon as, you know, my teacher talked to my parents about getting a pair of glasses. Yeah, I'm going to wear glasses. I'm eighth grade. <laughs> um, I was able to see again. And that made a huge difference in how I performed and how I um, was present in the room. Right. And even though after eighth grade, I became the shortest person, <laughs> um, I still had access, right? We don't think of right. things like eyeglasses as access. We think of them as accessories, but no, it's access to a world that I can't see otherwise. A dentist, it's access to the world that I can't chew or taste or even prevent a headache otherwise. Um, you know, going in for yeah. your well check. That's access to the world to be able to perform um, otherwise. So I really, you know, I also think that health is wealth, right? Yeah. So if you are healthy, you are wealthy because now you can do anything. You don't have this distraction of your temple being all over the place. Instead, you, you're you invincible. You can do whatever. If you want to go start a million dollar company, you can do it. Or if you want to just ride a bike around Lake Tahoe, you can do it. But your health is definitely your wealth. And from that, the world is your oyster. Um, so health plan, you know, really is focused on getting people to go in for their well person checks. Well child, well women, well man, whatever that looks like for you. It's important to go in. It, it sounds like an inconvenience. Ooh, the lights go into the doctor and they spoke to it. However, when you come out, they're like, you're, you, you look amazing. You, you're healthy. You don't have high blood pressure. Your numbers are good. You can see, you can taste, you can eat. Then you can go and do what you need to do. And I should mention that in some of these federally qualified healthcare centers, they have some better innovation than some of these than some of the other 
hospitals and, and doctors' offices sometimes. I mean, it's amazing. Because, oh, yeah. you know, I think our mind is thinking that, oh, well, maybe they don't, they don't, you know, kind of, they're not the same or they're less than. But the investment the federal government has made in federally qualified healthcare centers is huge. So yeah. it's amazing uh, to see how much service you can actually receive and better, in some cases, better service, depending on where you are. We we have to kind of change our thinking. Yeah, these aren't these aren't your FQ, F, what FQHCs of the sixties, right? We're right. like you know when FQ started in Mississippi and and it was it was well you know I'm not gonna go there but civil <laughs> act women you know yeah. trying to provide help with them in Mississippi, um, and and they sought funding and got it to actually create these small you know, communities to support people who are now, you know, no longer sharecroppers, no longer this, no longer that. And now FQs are amazing institutions of care in the community. I'm not saying that our larger plans are or don't have access, but they're rooted in the community, kind of like the health plan. They're in the community. They're rooted in the community. They're for the community, by the community. They can react and move with the ends and flows of what happens in the community. And so you're right. FQ, you know, FQs are not the same yeah. uh, as they have in the past. I remember moving here and I got assigned to an FQ. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I went in and I was like, oh, this is not. <laughs> this is different, huh? <laughs> but if I have a commercial plan. And it started getting assigned to an FQ seemed very different for me, but right. it took away that misnomer of where to get care. And then also they have other allowances for people who may not be um, employed or don't have insurance, uh, which should be very rare now because we are at 95% insured in the state, not more now. Nice. Um, but it, they offer so much and so much, they're so connected to what the community needs are. Um, I, this is not to down anybody else, but it's also to uplift right. the innovation, the care, the advancements that, you know, from the 650s and 60s when FQ started in rural Mississippi in the, in the cotton fields out there to today, I mean, technology has yes. taken us so far. Yes, shout out. We gotta give shout a out. shout out when they when we need to. We give a shout, shout out to all of our plants. <laughs> yes, yes. We were gonna also talk about renewals and what that even is. Yes, renewals. Oh my goodness. So whoo, COVID. That's all I have to say. I'm done with it. I don't know if y'all are good as I am with COVID. I want to be outside. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, but COVID has there were a lot of great things as a result of COVID that we learned about ourselves as a country and I think as a world. And there are um, some things now we got a course correct, right? So one of the great things that happened during COVID is that anyone who was on a Medicaid um, product across the country did not have to renew starting in, I think it was February or, or March of 2020, when we all went home, you know, we had to stay at home. <laughs> right. Um, so folks have been on, uh, we'll just use Medi-Cal for example, you know, and they've never had to renew during this time. Yeah, they've got letters of renewal, but unless there's some extenuating circumstance, the state wasn't going to term anyone. However, the time has come <laughs> where uh, renewals are going to relaunch. So for April, on April 1st of 2023, the first letters started to go out. They started in April and then um, letters went out early May and will continue through next uh, June. Uh, letters are going out to members, to Medi-Cal members who have not renewed that must renew. So not everybody has to renew. About 25% of the folks on Medi-Cal don't have to worry about renewal ever. 
Uh, but the rest of them may have to renew in some sort of way. And so in the mail, um, they'll be receiving an envelope. It might be yellow. It might be vanilla. Today I heard that might be white. I don't know. But you're going to get a big envelope if you're a Medi-Cal member. And in that envelope are those renewal papers. Um, you will have, you know, folks will have 60 days to turn those around. So fill them out, get all the documents together that, you, that you're being asked for, and then send them back to the address on your uh, most likely your counties. But another great thing, technology, innovation, is people can actually do renewals online too. So nice. they can, I, I'll have to look up the website, but they can go on online and pull up um, their information that's in the packet and pull up their numbers and get the whole application online and submit online. But not every family has access to, um, to the renewal process online. So that's why everyone's receiving um, a paper package. And what I would say is, you know, keeping coverage is important. If you don't have alternative coverage, if you have not applied for alternative coverage and you don't think you qualify for Medi-Cal, or if you know you qualify for Medi-Cal and you're just looking at the package when it comes in the mail, like, what is this big package of stuff? Because we know, we know folks don't open it. Open it. Yeah. Fill it out. Go online, fill it out. If you need help, call someone. Let them help you fill it out and get it back. No one in our communities, nowhere in the United States should go without health care that can get access to it. So yeah. I am excited that um, people can actually uh, get these packets get themselves renewal. Now, mind you, before COVID, everyone knew that there was an annual renewal process. All the feds, the federal government and the state governments are doing is reinstating that renewal process. But there in California, there were about a million, if not more than a million people that were able to access Medi-Cal during COVID that never seen this process before. So they're going to be surprised. So if you see the billboards out there, whether they're health plan or another organization or the state cover California, all of those things, pay attention to them. The ads, I saw the ads are running on television. I always watch TV and I've seen about five times the ads run on Spotify, on um, Apple Music, on Pandora. The little ads, if you don't have paid, use the free ones. I use the free ones at home. I mean, at outside, you know, paid ones at home. The ads are running. I heard the ads. They're all running. It's important to get those packets back. That, again, gets to that your health is your wealth. And yes. not filling out this packet that may take you an hour could be a huge impact and blow to your health. So if I can appeal anybody, if you know anyone on Medi-Cal, if you, if you have anyone on Medi-Cal, if you're a Medi-Cal yourself or you know people in your church, in your groups, at your school, at your work, who might access Medi-Cal, tell them to get their packets back. Tell them the renewal it is important. And there's nothing to be worried about, ashamed about, or anything. Because the great thing in California says, oh, well, if you don't qualify, here, let's go find something else cool for you. That's one great thing about our state is that they don't want to leave anyone behind. So, yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Well, and, and you know, you talk about the financial stability and, and sustainability and success. This is how we do it is we connect these dots. So I want to give another quick shout out to you and all of your, my D9 sisters. I know you're an AKA, so I'm gonna a, I'm a give a shout out to the AKAs, even though I'm a Delta, but we are sisters in this year. We are sisters, so I just wanna thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation and just really excited about what you guys are doing. And I know for those of you that uh, will see Health Plan of San Joaquin up in June. They'll be at probably every Juneteenth event. Definitely give them a shout out and 
come hang out at their tent because I'm sure I'll be close by. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I do want to. I want to mention that, especially in the uh, black communities, uh, the D nine. Like we love partnering with you all, um, not just because I'm a, a member of Alpha Chapter Alpha, but because you all are really great community organizers. You're very close to the community. You're close to providing resources and research and networking opportunities to the community. So I encourage all members of the DNI, all organizations in our areas to come together, as well as with all, all of our association and organizations in the community. And, and you know, one of the things I learned when I was doing the Disparities Project is anything we do to Black people, everybody. We are such touchy people. We love everyone, and, and for the most part, and so when you change me, you change my neighbor who might not look like me, but I can out share information with him and his family or other neighbors who, who might not look like me and their family. And so I encourage us to um, step up. Uh, we've done a campaign with D9 around COVID. We'll probably look to you all to provide some uh, leadership soon. And uh, yes, we will be at Juneteenth. Uh, Stockton, Lathrop, Tracy, and I believe uh, a death stuff. So come by our tent, come get some stuff. We will have fans. It's not going to be hot. Yeah, we're going to need some fans. <laughs> yeah, come play with us. We're going to have, you know, opportunities for children to learn. We're going to have books. We're going to have things out there. But come by and learn a little bit more. Ask the questions. Ask the hard questions. I will say the staff that is there can answer them. And the one great thing is if they can answer the question, they will take your information and connect you to whoever you need to answer that question. So please, please come by. If you see me out there, just shout me out. I'll be, I'll be around um, trying to stay cool. <laughs> um, and then, you know, if you need anything from us, one of the things we want to do or we continue to do is to make ourselves um, available to the full community. So we're here for everyone. We're not here for just one group or another. We know that African-American health disparities are at an all-time high, and our results are all-time low. But there are other communities that have similar, including our counterparts, that not are, are necessarily considered minorities. And one of the things I want to say, at least in our community here, we really need to focus on getting people back to their doctors. I think I said it twice already. I'll say it again. If you know someone, get them back in the doctors. Get women their mammograms. I do I do mammograms and lunch. Want to go get your mammogram you want me to drive? I'll buy lunch on me for you to get your mammogram. Make sure men are going in for their checks. Make sure people are, um, you know, the babies are going in for their immunizations and that our mamas, our new mamas, our newly pregnant mamas or, or go in to the doctor to to take care of the well-being of their um, baby as the baby is growing. And then just learn all the great stuff you don't just know. Having done Maternal Child Health Week or Month and Maternal Health Day, I was intrigued by all the stuff I didn't know. So believe me, I'm intrigued. There's so much for all of us to learn. So it has yes. been my blessing. And on behalf of Health Plan to San Joaquin and our intern director, Everett Hendricks, and our executives, I thank you for having us today. And anytime you want us to come and talk or I could, if not me, I'll always get someone to do it. Um, we are definitely for the community, by the community, and about the community. So, awesome. Awesome. We're here. We're not going nowhere. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vina Ford. You are a treasure, and we appreciate all the work that you and the entire team do. So shout out to the team as well. If I start naming them, I'll probably miss somebody. So I'll just say shout out to the team. 
But thank you so much for coming. And we look forward to having you come back and talk a little bit more about the impact on the community as well. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to hold you to that. All right. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you, Jolly. Thank you. Pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.